0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. It is at this time of year, and this year most of all, on that 20th anniversary, that we recall we have become accustomed to utter a simple phrase among our fellow Americans, we shall never forget. Allow me to take a moment then this morning to deepen your memories of the meaning of this phrase. To do so, we must look back not 20 years, but a millennium. And consider the arrival of the terrible menace to Christendom from the Far East, that race of Mongol blood, descendants of Attila the Hun himself, who after menacing the Roman Empire in antiquity, finally made their return in the 11th century. It is no wonder to us, for we know, having considered the history of our civilization, that this menace comes especially at times when Christianity, the followers of Christ, are not living up to the teachings of their faith. This was the case in 11th century Europe, a Europe that was about and seemed to redescend into barbarism and saw the great split between East and West. Nevertheless, the threat of Muslim takeover of the Holy Land inspired Christian Europe to reunite and lead a glorious crusade to retake that Holy Land, ushering in three centuries of wondrous Christian civilization. The enemy, thwarted for a time, would not, however, be defeated. It would continue to menace the East especially, until finally, after the Greek betrayal of the Union of East and West achieved at the Council of Florence. At a time when we would hear throughout the streets of Constantinople, better the turban than the tiara, the citizens of the Byzantine Empire would get their wish. And in 1453, the remnants of the Roman Empire in the East would fall to the Turks, and Constantinople would become the new capital of the great Islamic State, the Sultan being recognized by all Sunni Muslims as the successor to Muhammad himself. The taking of Constantinople would finally grant the Turks the staging point they needed for the long-desired takeover of all of Europe. And it seemed that they would achieve this, especially in the wake of a new division that soon arose in the West due to the Protestant revolt. The first warning came in 1529, when the city of Vienna barely escaped capture. The Sultan's forces nevertheless captured most of Hungary, and the Mohammedan menace would henceforth be ever in sight. Nevertheless, this seemingly insuperable Muslim force would finally be repulsed. At long last, it would be seen that it was capable of being defeated. This would occur on September 11th, 1565, when Ottoman forces would fail in their siege of the island of Malta, and the Christian forces would gloriously repulse them. This would be followed only a few years later by the victory at sea of the Holy League in the battle of Lepanto, which was obtained thanks to the exhortation by Pope Pius V to all the Christian world to invoke Our Lady, especially by invoking her holy name repeatedly in the recitation of her holy beads. The naval victory While a source of great comfort to the Christian world was not in itself of enormous military importance, it only inspired the Ottoman Empire with a greater desire for vengeance. They continued to set their sights on the city of Vienna, which at that time was truly a sort of outpost to the Christian world, knowing that if they took Vienna, the rest of Western Europe would soon follow. The Hagia Sophia in Constantinople may have been transformed into a mosque, but it seemed to the Muslim mind that that was too good for St. Peter's in Rome. It would become rather a stable for the Grand Vizier's horses as this monster of a man plotted his conquest. Throughout the summer months of 1683, the vast Ottoman Empire besieged the Christian city of Vienna until its cause seemed hopeless. The outpost of Christendom was indeed about to become that long-desired staging point for the Muslim takeover of the West. Pope Innocent XI charged all of Europe to invoke the Most Holy Name of Mary to deliver Christendom from this mortal danger and he begged for other Christian nations to come to the aid of the Austrians. France would have nothing of helping its political rival, but valiant King John Sobieski of Poland answered the call and led an army of Christians, encompassing other nations as well, to the aid of Vienna. The battle began on September 11. 1683, and by September 12th, the surprise attack had been entirely successful. The Turkish army, which so vastly outnumbered the defenders, was completely routed and fled in disgrace, leaving behind wondrous spoils, including a large supply of delightfully smelling roasted black beans, which then made their way into the victorious city, and only two years later, the first coffee shop would open up in Vienna. The day of the victory, then, was Sunday within the octave of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, September 12, 1683. And so the Pope proclaimed that henceforth this should be a feast day during this octave of Mary's birthday, in honor especially of her most holy name, at the invocation of which all Christianity had been delivered from its mortal foe. But no providence was not to have done with this victory, for now the Christian armies would continue to pursue the Ottomans, until finally at another glorious victory farther east on September 11th, 1697, the sultan's dreams of conquering Christendom would now forever be dashed. The Ottoman Empire would continue its decline until at the dawn of the 20th century it would be referred to contemptuously as the sick man of Europe. World War I would be its final poor showing and its ensuing collapse would leave the Sunni Muslim world with a longing for a new and vigorous caliphate, an Islamic state that would at long last avenge the great humiliations of September 11th. It seems no battle would be necessary. Christian Europe would destroy itself in the two world wars. And in the generations that followed, the disciples of Muhammad would walk right in, to inhabit the ruins. Can we wonder that our Blessed Lady would have chosen this very time for her greatest apparitions? That the time of the collapse of the Ottoman Empire should also see the time when the Queen of Heaven should choose to appear to three shepherd children in a Portuguese village named after the daughter of Muhammad. The message of Fatima was clear. If the Christian world did not cease to offend God, worse calamities, even than these world wars, would follow. And with that mysterious phrase of hers that in in Portugal the faith would always be preserved, one could only be left wondering if we will reach the point when Portugal alone is the country not conquered by Islam. The lesson of all this, my dear children, is that Islam is not just a military menace to Western civilization. It is a shameful indictment of the apostasy and moral bankruptcy of our civilization. Against the Koran, we cannot hold up our idol of safety, and our gospel of gender and critical race theories. It is hearts that must change. And we know we shall never win the hearts of the Mohammedan if we do not first convert our own. Thankfully, we know to whom we must turn for help. This conversion of hearts will be obtained only by invoking the most holy name of the Queen of all hearts, the Blessed Virgin Mary. To inspire us in this holy endeavor, we can turn to the words of a holy preacher who came from that time of the dawning of Christian civilization that I referred to at the beginning, after the First Crusade, the Holy Saint Bernard. One of the first to preach especially on the holy name of Mary. Let us listen together to a few of his words. It is said, and the virgin's name was Mary. Let us speak a few words on this name, which signifies star of the sea, and suits very well the maiden mother, who may very rightly be likened unto a star. A star gives forth her rays, without any harm to herself. And the Virgin brought forth her son without any hurt to her virginity. The light of a star takes nothing away from the star itself, and the birth of her offspring took nothing away from the virginity of Mary. She is that noble star which was to come out of Jacob, whose brightness still sheds luster upon all the earth, whose rays are most brilliant in heaven and shine even unto hell, Lighting up earth midway, warming souls rather than bodies, fostering good and scaring away evil, she, I say, is a clear and shining star, tink twinkling with excellencies, resplendent with example needfully set to look down upon the surface of this great and wide sea. Whoever you are, if you find yourself battered to and fro by the gales and storms of this life's ocean, If you would not be overwhelmed by the tempest, keep your eyes fixed upon this star's clear shining. If the hurricanes of temptation rise against you, or if you are running upon the rocks of trouble, look to the star. Call on Mary. If the waves of pride or ambition or slander or envy toss you, look to the star. Call on Mary. If the billows of anger or avarice while the enticements of the flesh beat out against your soul's bark, look to Mary. If the enormity of your sins trouble you, if the foulness of your conscience confounds you, if the dread of judgment appalls you, if you begin to slip into the deep of despondency, into the pit of despair, think of Mary. In danger, in difficulty, in doubt, think on Mary. Call on Mary. Let her not be away from your mouth or from your heart. That you may not lack the succor of her prayers. Turn not aside from the example of her conversation. If you follow her, you will never go astray. If you pray to her, you will never have need to despair. If you keep her in mind, you will never wander. If she holds you, you will never fall. If she leads you, you will never be weary. If she helps you, you will reach home safe at the last, so that you will prove in yourself how truly it is said, and the Virgin's name was Mary. Holy Mary, Mother of God, intercede for us. Give us strength against thine enemies, that we may obtain the conversion of all hearts, the triumph of Christian civilization and at the end, life everlasting. Amen.